Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Samuel Roberts and I'm joined today by Phil Savage and Andy Kelly. On this podcast we're going to talk about a couple of games we've been playing recently and then we're going to talk a little bit about our 300th issue which is out this week. Um, it was very tiring but we did it. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this it's out on the 15th of December which is a Thursday. Um, you can get that on digital or in print. Uh, it comes with uh, 50 most uh, fi- important PC games supplement which is very very nice and uh, I think in total has like 180 something pages so it's, uh, it's very good. We're going to talk a bit about the making of that. But um, to start with, we want to talk about, a bit about Watch Dogs 2. Uh, we reviewed it on the site. Uh, I think James Davenport gave it 68%. And like um, on uh, on the UK side, actually, we've enjoyed it slightly more. Like Reviews are obviously always subjective. But like um, Andy in particular has... Uh, has your it's captured your imagination, hasn't it? I don't know what it is about it, but like um, yeah. you've, I think you described it as your favourite open world game since GTA 5 or something yeah, like I'd that. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. That's all I've been playing the last two weeks. Um, I think I'm on the last mission now, actually. Wow. Um, 28 hours. It's a big well, old game. Um, and that's been doing quite a lot of side stuff. Um, yeah, I think it's the most... like Open world games always fall way short of GTA V in terms of just build quality and variety and world building and atmosphere and stuff, whereas this is the closest a non-Rockstar game has gotten to reaching those Rockstar heights, because mm. for me, they're still the best in the business when it comes to open worlds, whether it's Red Dead or... You know, Ellie Noir. Uh, yeah, Noir GTA. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the closest the company's come. It's not quite GTA Five Heights, um, but it's pretty, pretty close. Pretty amazing, mm. Ama- amazing world, and a pretty damn good game within it. Quite a different flavor to it, though, isn't it? If you think like um, one of the things Rockstar always seems to nail is like the really tiny, intricate details. Like. You can t- just see the effort that's gone into like a lawnmower or a bush or yeah. Well, the more some- I play Watch Dogs too, actually, I noticed some of that. In- really? It's- okay. Yeah, I spent a lot of time pointing the camera at lawnmowers and various <laughs> tiny details in that way. I do when it's I play games. How you get your kicks? Yeah, and I've I, I'm, I've been really impressed by the sort of micro detail as well as well as the big grand stuff like the Golden Gate Bridge and all that looks amazing. But there's some really nice small details and. Mm. And it's a lot more, in other ways, it's a lot more dynamic than GTA in terms of there's more ways to mess with the uh, pedestrians. Um, when you unlock the ability to call, uh, give someone a criminal record so that the police come and bust them, that can set off hilarious chains of chaos where <laughs> the cops will come and arrest them and then someone will crash their car into the cop car that just pulled up and then the cops will chase after him and the, other, the person <laughs> they were arresting will run away and it just it just all these little uh, chain reaction things of AI systems just getting muddled makes for some really funny little dynamic moments I've had a lot of fun just causing trouble and watching that play out outside of the missions or anything that's there's more ways to mess with the people in the city than GTA which is limited to kind of just running them over or pressing one of those interact buttons where you go hey or fuck you yeah or you punch <laughs> someone in the face and they yeah. knocks their phone out of their hand like, yeah. it's, it's interesting you don't see much in the way of like GTA NPCs interacting with each other there's still bits of it here and there but they've never really um, yeah. not, not, it doesn't feel like they've ever really kind of properly tapped into what happens if like I don't know a proper kind of like war kicks off in the city or something like, you know like yeah. a, a massive crime is going on alongside you driving past. You don't see a lot of that going on. Yeah, there's not much of that in Watch Dogs. There's some good interaction, though, like you'll see. I mean, I just saw a wedding down by the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, I was wow. just driving around and saw a wedding. So, of course, I um, gave the bride a criminal record. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd upgraded the police thing like a SWAT van came. Just <laughs> Shot took to out death. the whole wedding. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously, the ridiculous thing is that the whole reason Marcus is... The protagonist Marcus is, is fighting against the system because he was unfairly given a criminal record, like based on a sort of a um, minority report type 
profiling precog thing. It's like you may commit these crimes in the future, um, and, and obviously you can then use your hacking abilities to rob people's phones and give them criminal records. <laughs> so it's massively hypocritical. Yeah, he's um, yeah. He, he he's rebelled against the um, systems labeling him a possible criminal by becoming a criminal. Yeah, That's, he's like yeah, it's, it's kind of like yeah. oh wow, it was it was entirely accurate <laughs> apparently. Well, yeah. I think if you stick to the if you stick to only hacking. The, it justifies that in a really loose way by the fact that if you stuck to what the game told you to do and only hacked who they told you to, they're all corrupt people, so mm. it's justified. Whereas, but when you're playing the game, you get so many innocent people are going to get hacked and messed yeah. with. The brand does that kind of, you know. There is something yeah. satisfying about a lot of it. It manifests in the side quests quite a lot, and a lot of it is kind of just sort of karmic retribution. So, you know, one of the side quests is a guy's been swatting streamers uh, yeah. and using DeadSec, which is the main hacking groups like that you work for. He's been using their name to do it, so people think that you're a bunch of assholes who are swatting people. So, what do you do? You go and swat him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, on the one hand, it's like, well, this doesn't really solve anything. But on the other hand, it's quite, yeah. it's quite satisfying to see that play yeah. out. Well, he's, yeah. he's such a dick as well. Like you, you hack into his webcam, so you're looking at him at his PC streaming. You know, and he's playing Rainbow Six Siege because it's you know brand synergy, and um, he's just like he's 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 the he's like a parody of the worst online man possible, just shouting abuse and so to to send the SWAT team and bust them up is pretty damn fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's a, there's a, all the sort of all the karmic missions are all based on things that people hate. Yeah, now. like, like there, there's so a thing comes up right when you load the game. The standard disclaimer of oh this is a work of fiction. Nobody in this game is you know any any. It's a coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> any resemblance to persons living or dead is a coincidence, and that's just a blatant lie because <laughs> one of the people very early on that you target is just straight up Martin Shkreli. Like yeah, straight really. up. Yeah, he do, yeah. There, he, there's a there's a pharmacy pharmaceuticals asshole who's buying a, a rap album of which only one is being made in the <laughs> world no no what? literally this yeah. is and he's um, this is part of the plot of the game yeah. Watch Dogs 2 so you 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 uh, conv- it's sort of the sense of fun the game has is what I, I love about it and part of that mission is you have to like sneak into the mansion of the rapper who's called Bobo Dakes and who's kind of an egomaniac Kanye West type figure right. there's an interview here in the radio with this rapper and it's a total parody of um Kanye West and Zane Lowe's interview where he was sort of mouthing off about all his how he's a genius and stuff. So you sneak into this rapper's apartment and you like make a voice profile of his voice to then phone up Martin Shkreli and like offer to, you know, sell him this rare rap album and then obviously you get the, the bank details and you take you, you sort of, I won't, I won't spot what happens, but yeah, basically you, you fuck him over in an amusing, ironic way. <laughs> but that, I think those felt quite front-loaded, those karmic justice ones. Mm. The game later becomes... My only criticism is it is a little bit of repetition where almost every mission is here is a heavily guarded area, whether it's the offices of like a Facebook analog called Envite or it's a fort, it's sort of a warehouse beneath the Golden Gate Bridge, which is a mission I just did at lunchtime there. Um, and you just got to use the hacking abilities, your remote control drones and your you know imagination to bust in, steal the data or free someone or whatever. So they, they're all they're different. The story surrounding them is different, and you can play them a million different ways with whatever you've unlocked. But it's still basically here's a guarded area, mm. go in and you know break in and do something and get out. So and that the checkpoint is quite aggressive as well. Where, well, not the opposite of aggressive, I guess. It's just they don't <laughs> checkpoint like at all. School, yeah, so you can just... like you can spend eight, like twenty minutes like hacking and carefully making your way through a facility. You get the data, and then you might get shot on the way out, and you've got to do the whole bit again. There's mm. no sort of mid-mission <clears throat> checkpoints. All right. Which just caused me frustration, like maybe five or six times, 
where I've like gotten the data after a lot of tinkering and hacking and careful methodical planning and then just to get shot on the way out and have mm. to do it again is quite annoying. But um, I think that this, yeah, the sense of fun around the story surrounding these missions is so sort of colorful and for a personality that I didn't mind that much that it was repeating itself. But I am at the point now, like 30 hours in where I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to finish it now. Like I've got my yeah, my fun I, out of it. <clears throat> but I guess you're doing it like you're being quite careful and stealthy and yeah. finding intricate ways to get through. I mean, you can just go through and yeah. blow the fuck out. Of yeah, I've not even. And yeah, you've got it a, feels weird to do. It does. Like, yeah, it doesn't suit the character or the. Mm. You've got these amazing computer powers, mm. and the idea of going to the 3D printer in your base and printing out a machine gun. Although I did print out the grenade launcher because that makes some missions where you've got to sneak in and destroy stuff a lot easier. Yeah, I have done <laughs> stuff like that. I, I got. A, pretty powerful sniper rifle just because online interactions are not are not suited for stealth and <laughs> no yeah but you, you can go through the whole game without killing anyone or using guns i mean the most satisfying thing is to use your you've got two um, drones you've got a flying one and a land one and the most satisfying thing is to just sneak in with your little remote control car thing go all the way through this enemy control base trip and security thing steal the data and get out without them mm. seeing you that is really fun like there's some interesting systems in there of setting traps luring guards towards you know electrical conduits and ignite you know setting them off so it zaps them and stuff like that so you don't yeah. have to you need as marcus you never have rarely have to go into the area you're trying to sort of hack i'm quite reassured i'm quite reassured to hear this because like the um the demo they showed me at e3 that i played did uh did hint at this sort of like slightly systemic not overly complex but like mm. you know enough freedom of approach that it yeah. was um well worth having in the game um but uh yeah like it sounds like they followed through with that i also thought that i noted at the time as well that the the, the second i got a machine gun out as marcus it felt utterly incongruous with what that character's uh, supposedly about you know yeah totally um i mean the combat doesn't even have much depth to it it's not the, the most satisfying system within there like it's yeah. not the best the, the, those aren't the best interactions but no i mean normally an open world game that's the sort of thing that would wind me up <laughs> like just look at early gta's where the combat was oh, fairly God, atrocious yeah. but you ha you sort of had to suffer through it but here because it's such kind of it, it feels like so against the grain of, of what you're meant to be doing that it's never been too much of a problem no and if it was a if it was a hundred percent shooting game uh, I, I would hate it because yeah. the gun combat yeah it's pretty pretty rubbish and basic <clears throat> but the fact that there's so many you know it's almost like immersive simi in ways you know the the, these intricate sort of puzzle boxes mm. full of connected systems yeah. and AIs on you know that you can mess with and I mean my, late in the last half of the game um, my most reliable thing is to um, you can call a gang hit on um, anyone basically so fly your you know your helicopter your flying drone up and just call a gang hit and watch as the gang runs into the building you're supposed to infiltrate <laughs> and in, in the sort of ensuing gunfight a few of the guards might die mm. and then that gives you just a little bit of just, breathing room just, you can use it as distractions as well just cut like you know all the guards will rush to one corner of the area and you can just sneak in steal the data while they're distracted having a fight with a gang that you've just called in like that stuff's really the fact that you can do that is pretty fun yeah yeah that's great and like, as for the uh, sort of like quality of the open world i mean i've seen Plenty of screenshots of the San Francisco skyline that make it look pretty good. Like, mm. um, does it feel kind of sizable when you're when you're going through it? It's quite small. Like, yeah, um, yeah. It, it doesn't. The, the feeling of vastness doesn't last long. Initially, it does because you don't know the map. But the more you play it, it's pretty small chunks of. You know, I've I've walked across most of San Francisco's main city, but I walked but across it horizontally basically mm. once on a 
when I was on a practice yeah, trip and I had a free day. A good and I four tried to, hours walking yeah, bits of it and it yeah, yeah. barely got anywhere. And yeah, it's, it, it, loads of it's missing. Like, yeah. you can get to, like, you know, Market Street to hit Ashbury in, like, two minutes or something, when in reality that's a good hour away. So the, the scale yeah. of it's quite... Yeah. It sounds quite. like they've just gone for the key bits, though. Like, there's, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of patches of the city that do look the same as each other. Yeah, it looks amazing, and the, you know, the sense of scale is great. You know, you look the when you look at the Golden Gate Bridge, it feels properly massive. Now, the other areas aren't. I mean, Oakland is a bit more rundown and sort of industrial. Mm. Uh, Marin, that kind of this kind of nice and suburban, and and where George Lucas, you are used to live. Yeah, it's where the Skullker Ranch is in oh, Marin is County. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's quite a small chunk of it, and um, yeah, Silicon Valley as well is like you know home of like Noodle, which is the game's equivalent of Google, and you spend a lot of the game hacking into all these big services that are real world analogs, yeah. and yeah, it's it's quite it, it's not as heavily satirical as GTA, but it's pretty close. It pokes a lot of fun at sort of it, it's like a weird sort of snapshot of the 2010s, like. If you mm. played that game in twenty years and you want, you're like, what, what were the twenty tens like? Yeah. Here's a weird, exaggerated like microcosm of it <laughs> with all the very worst things about it, like, you know, um, sort of <laughs> yeah, consumerism like a... and hat and uh, data being used by companies from the various ends. San and... Fran, but like based on the plot they're going for and the sort of things that they're parodying, it's like San Francisco is like the perfect setting yeah. for the tone that they've struck with this. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like it's done pretty well like mm. gradually so i mean i will never Probably, like it's it's i mean light years better than the first watchdogs mm. i mean e- even outside of the systems or whatever just tonally like going from dour sad man in a cap to a kind of group of slightly annoying but yeah. quite charming friends quite like most of them nice yeah. that's, you over. That's, a yeah. surprise. that's a real surprise actually yeah they're, they're not there's some nice little um, moments where it sort of builds up their friendship and camaraderie in a non-annoying way. Mm, like you genuinely yeah, feel yeah. like they're all mates, and it they sort of call back to earlier moments in that way that you you know. It's weird how how <clears throat> like refreshing that feels just having characters who are friends. Yeah, and seem to yeah, like each other. Yeah, and it, there's that disconnect between like Marcus in the cutscenes is like a super nice guy. You couldn't think of uh, you couldn't find a nicer, more considerate guy, and then like you're shotgunning a cop when you're <laughs> in the middle of a mission. And, you know, it just feels weird. Fuck yeah. your wedding day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Should have called it's, a gang. It's a good story to tell on a podcast as well. Worth doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's just fun to poke at the world and watch stuff happening. Like it, you know, you can. I, mean, I remember I just uh, stopped a truck. And just stood on the roof and used the dancing emote, and I was just like pointing at stuff around me, and like there was cars exploding, cops running around, gang members, like it was just all this chaos erupting around me. Mm. And I didn't, didn't, none of the parties involved that were alerted to me because I was doing it remotely with my phone. It was just fun to sort of orchestrate this <laughs> open world chaos without having to fire a you know one grenade myself. Yeah, yeah. And if you do start going on a rampage, it's quite cool. Like I just when I got the grenade launcher, I went, I'm gonna go out and blow up all the cars I can see in every cop that comes after me, like GTA style. And when you do that, when you get a high wanted level, other players are called in. Yeah. Um, to basically stop you. So I had to like I, I found myself hiding from the AI cops and two players who've been called in to stop my reign of terror. Like, yeah. So that was cool. The multiplayer stuff is pretty pretty damn fun. The way it's just seamless. Um, yeah. Have you done much of the hacking stuff? We hack other players. Um, I've only done that occasionally, just because. It tends to pop up with the oh you can go and hack a player now while I'm sort of in the middle of doing yeah. something like it, that that can be a bit too insistent at times. Yeah, it's like the, usually when you're in the, on the way to a mission or something it'll be like yeah oh, yeah. 
But, um, yeah, I mean, I've had plenty of invasions that have gone yeah. various different ways and a couple of people that it's quite fun if you do get a good spot, if you're hacking on somebody and just watching them run around yeah, that's really trying fun. to find you. It's great because yeah. it's like, oh, are you going to do it? Because you're not really, you're not allowed to kill them at all. Like, that's that's a fail for you, I think, if you yeah. try and kill them. And if so. they kill you whilst you're escaping. Yeah. No, no, wait, if... if if you, is it if they've you got kill... they've got to kill you while yeah. you're escaping. Yeah, you're, yeah. Even if you're escaping, you can't kill them yeah. for some reason. Yeah. But it turns into a kind of uh, game of hide and seek where you're in mm. this sort of uh, closed off area, and you you know that the other players in there, and you've got to hack them without them seeing you. So there's like depending on where you are in the city, you might be able to get up on a rooftop. Or um, my thing is to park a car in a really neat line next to some other parked yeah. cars and then duck down so that you know. They, you become harder to target. Yeah. Um, but they yeah. can still use like their drone and yeah. RC car and everything. So yeah. that stuff's really good. It's, it it's works works perfect. Mm. I think the console version had problems with that at launch, but for PC, yeah, no, it's, it's been really, fine. Really seamless, and it is good. Like I really do like the um, one way high wanted level one. Like there's been yeah. a couple of times I've been called in to go after someone as a yeah. bounty just to help the police or whatever, and that's just yeah. a nice thing you can do on your way. Like. And uh, this, yeah, this, and it's a good PC version as well. Mm. Runs, runs. Yeah, yeah, loads of options. Pretty much max settings and a 970. So if you've got anything higher than that, which you probably do by now, then it's, it's lots of run pretty, pretty well. Lots of size stuff too. You've been doing the driver yeah. San Francisco. That's weirdly app. fun. Yeah, there's like a you can be an Uber driver basically. Yeah. You just turn your phone into. You can be an Uber driver, but they call the app Driver San Francisco, which nice. is kind of sad yeah. because you think, oh, I want another <laughs> yeah. Driver San Francisco. But that's because uh, <laughs> really like that. A little nod to Ubi Reflections. Yeah. You've done the vehicle handling for. I mean, I went to visit Reflections and saw their like magic car tweaking tool that they used to do the car handling. So. Um, and yeah, the the Uber missions are. It could have been an easily a throwaway side mission, where it's like, you just like pick GTA's up, taxi mission. Yeah, pick or... up a person and drive here in the time limit. But there's little stories, and there's like some really fun riffs on the fact that traditional taxi drivers hate Uber. Right. Mm. Some pretty pretty funny <laughs> missions involve yeah, involving disgruntled taxi drivers and like just silly ones where you got yeah. like race a. a bride to the church in time and also like you're that. in San Francisco so somebody wants you to take big jumps so they can upload it to their YouTube channel yeah, some vlogger, mega hits yeah, who takes the credit for it um, there's one where you're like chasing a drone across Silicon Valley and it's a lot of off-road driving and it's just it's just fun and also it does once you've done those VIP ones there's 16 of them you, it unlocks randomly generated regular okay. fares so you can just like if you want to just drive around the city and earn some extra money you bring up the app and it'll generate someone near you who wants to go like you know down the road a bit and you can just do them and it turns into a crazy taxi wow. kind of thing yeah which is it's weird a side mission I thought I'll never do that and ended up yeah I've done it I've, I've maxed out my level pretty much and yeah it's pretty it's pretty good wow wow what a turnaround then mm. it's won both of you around despite yeah. the amount of times that you've both said drones and uh, <laughs> yeah. Silicon Valley yeah that's, uh, that's a real shot millennials I'll, yeah. I'll definitely pick it up then that's um, yeah, yeah I would Briefly, I thought it was my game of the year, but that's madness. I've just caught my, yeah. up in the air. Uh, I'd say it was in my top top three, though. I mean, mm, that's high. I'd I say top three, high, yeah, but, like, yeah. but I have really enjoyed it. Like, surprised how much I enjoyed it after Watch Dogs completely left me cold the first time around. All right, top five. Sounds like if you <laughs> sounds like if you're a Saints Row fan, it'll um, it'll it'll, mm. it'll appeal. Um, and I say as someone who like uh, had like a bit of a dry spell with games, and then Saints Row the Third was the one that made me. Uh, I yeah. don't know. Just, just pure kind of like fun, open world, silly hijinks. It's not so. quite as mad as or 
yeah, yeah cap but yeah. probably has more depth to its like simulations yeah and, like you're, you're dead on with like the very immersive sim light mm. missions where it's it's a small space but you do get these little bite-sized encounters where you get to approach however you want interesting yeah. contrast to mafia 3 which did try and yeah. mm. similar things but not nearly as effective yeah that's interesting because mafia is just a series of areas with guards and then you've got a, but there's there's you know Infinitely more depth than Watch Dogs. Yeah, I guess ways to do it instead of just running less in ways to approach it, shooting it? or punching everyone. Like, mm. yeah, it does that style of that structure a lot better. But it doesn't feel as GTA Five still feels more handcrafted. Every mission has a bit of bespoke handcrafted feel to it. You're doing something different in every GTA Five mission, pretty much. There's you know some absurd set piece in almost every mission, whereas this is just very structured in terms of infiltrate area escape repeatedly but with some variations hmm, wow cool okay well Watch Dogs 2 then that's a thing I'll pick up in the uh, inevitable Steam Christmas sale which I'm sure is coming up now um, so the second game I'm going to talk about today is Orwell um, hmm. I'm not really too aware of what it is but Phil specifically said to me Samuel say can you have a space on the flat plan for Orwell so I can review it it's an yeah, interesting it's indie IGF thing one of the things yeah I played as part of the IGF and uh, turns out it's out uh, it, it was it was like an episodic series of adventure visual novel type things um, set in a totalitarian state called the nation, uh, which is ruled by the party. So okay. really, I see where we're going here. Yeah, um, really, really imaginative naming. Uh, uh, the, the name Orwell suggests. The name Orwell that. really also suggests this is <laughs> perhaps not the most subtle take on surveillance <laughs> states and. <laughs> Um, and it's not. It is a bit blunt force in places, but uh, it's quite a, quite a novel way to sort of frame this kind of a story in that um, you actually play as someone outside of the nation. Uh, you're like the first, you're the trial employee or investigator for their Orwell system, which is like a massive... Um, surveillance tool that digs into everybody's online you know it can tap into phone calls and breach computers and everything and your name is mr 1984 <laughs> <laughs> if you want it to be you can choose your avatar okay <laughs> no. um but so um you're kind of introduced to this system on the day that there's a bombing in this country uh so your job is to find out who it is and like the first thing that happens is you see some of the security footage and it highlights one person who's got like a criminal history or they were they were arrested for um assault on a police officer i think during a protest uh and, and the charges were dropped and you've got to sort of okay they're the person of interest so at that point, you start digging through their lives, and as you dig through their lives and read information about them, the the system like flags up information. So uh, it'll say like, you know, simple stuff. You 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 basically fabricate a profile on them. So you find their name, you find their address, but then you also find like motivations of theirs. Um, if in a social media profile they mention hating the government, you you can put hates the government as a piece of information to their profile. And that is then analysed by the guy above you, who's like an analyst uh, called Symes. Um, and then he's making recommendations to the police based on what you upload. So a lot of the game is trying to figure out what information is true or what is just like a naive student venting about how much they're annoyed at something. You know, what? how much of like the personas we create online are actually reflected of what we think okay. in real life. 
Um, and it's all told through, you know, fairly invasive techniques. Like you'll listen to, you'll, you'll sort of see transcripts of phone calls as they're taking place. Um, and that it, it's a really nice sort of device for this, like, uh, because it put, you're kind of complicit in the surveillance. It's not a case of, you might sympathise with the people being surveilled, or you might, you know, sympathise with totalitarian governments with access to all of our data, not to draw any parallels with current political yes, of thaws, course. of course. Yes. Um, but... Uh, any, hey, if I want to enjoy an unconventional act, that's my business. <laughs> it's no one else's. Uh, anyway, sorry, carry on. Um, okay, cool. So visual you novel. You said that on the podcast now, so I can't be <laughs> well. Hey, I didn't specify what kind of acts it could be. It could just be, you know, unconventional act. Un unconventional act back in my day was listening to corn, you know. That was... <laughs> anyway. Okay, but the, yeah, as an example, though, having said that, and that information being out there, we could put likes unconventional acts in Samuel Roberts' profile, which would then unlock the next piece of data as, like, the system goes searching for more information into your sort of social media history or whatever to find out what your unconventional tastes are. Okay, interesting. So, um, uh, to that, so what's the kind of like end game of it then? What exactly are you trying to, like, what's the kind of win state of? of... Uh, well, what you're trying to do is prevent, um, like, you're trying to find out who set off this bomb and right. um, find out like who's behind it, whether they've got any other acts planned, you know, and and arrest these people you can get it wrong um okay so there are various things you can do that do have like each episode seems to have like a decision towards the end or it leads towards a point that can branch in various ways right. like there are things i did that didn't necessarily work out for the best even though i did them for like what i thought was you know the, the noblest of possible choices at the time um, not always doing the right thing, you know, makes makes a difference. Yeah. But there's quite a bit of variation within that, but obviously, as is always the case with these episodic things, it does sort of filter you back to the story being told. It's just on your particular version of what, you know, the same story everyone's playing through, this might have happened, right. or, you know, th there might be this alternate twist to it just based on previous choices. But there is, like... So th the way you make these choices is basically by deciding which information to upload and which not to, because you can decide some things are not relevant or some things are misleading. Um, and, and that's kind of how you have an effect on the stories it goes around. Yeah. But, you know, around that, a lot of it is just you're, you're sort of reading a story that's playing out in various text files. Like, that is primarily the point of the game. Hmm. But, you know, it's, it's a decent little mystery. Um, that's cool. How, what's kind of like the, the sort of visual style of it? Is it pixel art or how is no? It? It's it's um, displayed as like the interface of this system. Oh, right. So when you you know you log in and you create a profile when you go in first time, and then you're sort of looking at what look like kind of fake websites. It sounds like um, your sort of thing, Andy. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I think yeah. Is it cheap? Oh, it's seven pounds for all five episodes. That's all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that tonight. Mm. A sense yeah. you've sold me on it. A sense I I played um. Uh, you know, Uplink, that mm, intro yeah. version hacking oh, yeah, game. Yeah. Someone's released a mod for that. Um, that yeah. gives it a modern interface, and that interface reminded me of what I've seen of. Yeah, yeah. I, I like kind that. of prefer the original Uplink interface, which is very like 1999 mate, uh, Matrix, you know, long leather trench coats mm. and sh sunshades type aesthetic. You've got, to be, yeah. you've got to actually click on some modems, otherwise, yeah. what's the point? And it's got <laughs> yeah, and it, it you know it takes out the dial-up modem sense. No, I want yeah. that. I want that sense. But yeah, that, that's a tangent. But yeah, like, if, uh, there's a good sort of. A good, you know, you could sit down and play a bit of Watch Dogs. 
a bit of all well. Yeah, you want yeah. to get into full paranoia, sort of yeah, you know, surveillance state mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your data is being farmed as we speak. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, but, I, I might check that out as well. Yeah, actually, it's a so. competent, if maybe uh, a bit sort of on the nose conspiracy thriller. I sometimes I, I, can, I find that can be quite endearing, though, being a, on the nose about that stuff, like at least kind of owning it. Um, mm. Because also, it sounds like there are plenty of kind of like wrinkles within the premise that the um, oh definitely yeah yeah that the uh, the broader stuff doesn't actually matter too much uh, at least that's based on what you told me anyway mm. um okay cool all right then cool uh, well those are the other games we're going to talk about unless anyone's been playing anything else i've uh, i've been uh, i've not actually played anything for a little while because i've been distracted by a game on a, a video games console that i can't possibly talk about no that game um, if it was on pc i'd talk about it but it's not so uh i can't so i'm furious yeah, now um, what watchdogs is ticking up all my so it, uh, I'm almost about to finish it. And I've got when I'm not reviewing a game, the chances of me finish it are very slim. So it's quite telling. I think that I've stuck this one through at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it's, a, it's only a ringing endorsement. You also played Ubisoft Steep, didn't you, Andy? Oh yeah, I reviewed that. Yeah, that's the other thing I was playing, which I really wanted to like. I think if you go back a few podcasts to the E3 special, I was there going, "Oh my god, that looks amazing! It's going to be brilliant!" Yeah, yeah I I'm think excited we about that. And then quite and, excited about what that could be. And then like the next yeah. episode of the podcast, I think Tom Senior came on and said, yeah. "I heard yeah. you. I heard you talking to Dan Dawkins on Games Radar today, yeah. and uh, I think Dan said, can you do tricks, now, Andy?'" And you went, mm, "You can, but it's not good." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Dan Dawkins and, and me are both massive SSX fans, yeah. so we had a lot invested in this. And it's the actual. The the open world mountain thing. It's a big recreation of the Swiss Alps. is amazing. Like you can instantly teleport to any part of it, and the views are incredible. And uh, the snow is that you can leave trails in the snow, and you can draw a dick in the snow if you want. It's amazing <laughs> in that sense. That was like the first thing you did, wasn't it? It was, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I tried to take a screenshot, but it faded away by the time I oh, no. melted the bolt. One of the nuts had melted away, so I, uh, oh, I never did take that screenshot. Gray. But yeah, the the, the, the actual of yellow snow. Yeah. <laughs> But the actual controls are just really fudgy and unsatisfying feeling like the when you all the off of a you know ramp whatever to the trick half the time it just feels like it doesn't respond yeah like the the timing's really like strict on it to the point where it's not fun and yeah it's just it, it, it's just such a shame because there's not enough games like that on pc and no. i'm really, really rooting for that one but i think i gave it 60 something I'm 65 a, I give it my review I played at Gamescom and I remember thinking it's not gone enough in the direction of either simulation or arcade to, to yeah really that's such a weird halfway so, yeah. yeah and the, the fact that you can like if you jump off a precipice you can't transition there's four sports in it where you can you know if you're standing still you can transition from skiing to snowboarding hmm. but if you're like leaping through the air and you snowboard you can't then switch to your wingsuit you know like in just cause which made which i i instinctively wanted to do yeah of course, and the, the yeah. devs were like oh you know we wanted to keep it real it's like you can you can you can fall like miles down a glacier and pick yourself up at the end like yeah you don't want realism in a game like that <laughs> when it's real we yeah. ever improved an extreme sports game yeah yeah uh oh, that's, that's a shame that's, that's a shame but yeah. it is like beautiful looking i i if it was in a sale for like a tenner or something i'd say go for it because i got like i got a good six hours of like fun out of it but then the sort of limitations became hard mm. to ignore I don't know how many of those games there are on PC but like um, consoles had a fair few of them and I think I've played every single one like right back to like Sean Palmer's Pro Snowboarder yeah. Amped 3 <clears throat> on 360 which was amazing um, 1080 snowboarding on the N64 yeah yeah which I, mean, I remember being good but 
probably Did, isn't anymore. <laughs> I don't know if Sean Palmer's Pro Snowboarding ever came out on PC. That was like 2008. I don't, I don't think. I Snowboard don't. Kids on PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. Like it's an <laughs> illustrious history of them. But yeah, and for consoles. some reason, yeah, like SSX nailed the tricking, the, the feeling of jumping off a ramp and doing a trick mm. and it feeling amazing. They nailed that 16 years ago on PlayStation 2. Like, why, does, why doesn't Steep Cat have the same feeling of, like, polish and... And fun about it. Ah, it's a shame. Mm. It's a shame. But um, hey ho, I think it was kind of expected. To, to be honest, and uh, yeah, it was the last game to come out uh, this year, pretty much that we were willing to review. I think that's right. Is there anything else we've got left to review? I think that's it, isn't it? Well, the Walking Dead just came out today, didn't it? Or it's coming out this week? Uh, possibly. Yeah, I've so fallen off that series and yeah, most tell yeah, things. Too. To be honest, it's yeah. hard to maintain like much I, enthusiasm. I feel like I can. I can one of those games. I can imagine what it's going to be like playing it, and it's probably close. Yeah, not sort of lots mean. of. Um, Button prompts flashing up as as two characters fall into perilous situations at the same time, and you go, "Which one do I save?" And then, mm, I thought yeah. Batman was the last draw for me. I just thought it was nowhere near as good as it should have been. Yeah, I made it for the uh, half the first episode of that. And it just felt so clunky and stiff, and they, yeah. need, they need new tech and like new systems, yeah, dialogue I mean, systems and stuff. It's so Walking Dead's original success was that the systems fit the story, but now they've taken those systems and just transplanted <laughs> yeah. them into every fiction Hey, we've got again, Guardians of the Galaxy. Which is the same thing yeah, that yeah. they've done, yeah. what they were doing before. What's the moral choice that you make in Guardians of the Galaxy? It's like, isn't it? <laughs> Do you dance to this 80s song? Or... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, play Blue Swede, don't play Blue Swede. Group will remember that. <laughs> See, I've got no... That's one of my favourite you know, films recent films I've watched I you wouldn't play it right which is off brand and I've got but yeah, yeah no um, no um, excitement about it at all about no. playing a game version of it I, I'd like I, I, I'm I'm notorious as a guy who will lap up any old comic book <laughs> shit and I, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't play it either um, yeah. uh, I'd much more rather I'd much rather they'd uh, bring that Spider-Man game on PS4 to PC that looks quite, yeah. looks quite nice that was that, yeah that Insomnia was one Insomniac yeah. is it yeah, yeah like um, Marvel apparently invested a load of money in their games division to try and like uh, match what the uh, Warner's done with Arkham and stuff like yeah. that, but like if it's just going to be on one console, it's not really much good, is it? Is that because uh, anyway. Sony owns Spider Man? I, I think they just they were just willing to publish it. Um, yeah. I think that's it. And I like, think they, um, didn't they have some stake in though? Because remember the PlayStation Three uh, logo was the, logo, yeah. the Spider Man logo. Oh, it's true. The, the, f the film uh, they they're in charge of the films. Yeah. Think, so maybe something to that. But mm, yeah. hey, hey, maybe. Um, and then yeah, we were. Um, uh, what else? There's also. Forza 3 DLC tomorrow, I think. Oh yeah, it's, uh, no, it's the snow, snow DLC, times. Yeah, for, just in time for Christmas. Does that add like a basically a new kind of like I area to, to? I think it's like just a new standalone map. That's usually how it works. Wow. Is they've got like it's not in Australia, is it? It won't be in Australia. <laughs> no, it could be in New Zealand. They've got some snow. Yeah, right? <laughs> they tend to go because uh, like Forza Two, which was set around bits of Europe, went to an island in Greece oh, yeah, where yeah. it only ever rains. <laughs> Do yeah. you know what? I the, I did not even question for a second that it would be set in Australia. I thought, I'm sure there's some snowy bits somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <Idiot. isn't>, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. So, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what the setup is, but I'm sure some fucking twenty-year-old Jeb end will explain it in an opening <laughs> yeah. cutscene at great length and to my eternal fury. But yeah, uh, I am looking forward to going back to that. Yeah, look out for a review of that early next week, probably maybe later. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. depending on how <laughs> deadline goes. Yeah, <laughs> how tired I am. <laughs> Okay, cool. Um, let's move on to issue three hundred chatter then. Shit. Um, yeah. Uh, so I actually didn't have a specific brief for this, but we um, we have finished issue three hundred and it's coming out. And uh, yeah, it's it's been quite good actually. Like um, one of the things that me and Chris did for it is we went through basically our entire library of magazines looking for like twenty issues that define PC Gamer, and then picked out like uh, basically a whole a whole bunch of them. So like the 
um, the first uh, the first good cover we did, which I would argue is about <laughs> about fifty issues in. There, there was some <laughs> some pretty atrocious ones we discovered. The, the the big thing I learned is that they really it took about forty issues or so for the tone of it to be like properly sort of figured out, like it, to for it to be this kind of like slightly jokey, irreverent mm. kind of thing. Like um, it took a while. Actually, there was a really good Blade Runner cover they had for issue fifty, which uh, had a a, a a giant man's slightly badly rendered face. But it was the nineties, so that's, that's how uh, we did it. That's how all uh, all of it was done. But um, no, it's quite interesting, like uh, seeing how how it changed over time and significant issues and stuff. It's um, I can't believe twenty three years. It's kind of crazy. It's like that's it's uh, it's older than PlayStation. That's just kind of weird. But um, yeah. no, it's cool. Like um, as of uh, from our recent issues that we picked out. Uh, we picked out the XCOM two issue when we when we last redesigned, and then we also picked out the issue where we did the Daisy Diary feature, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was probably our, like our like our sort of uh, our best thing. But um, no, it's weird. I don't know. Does that does that milestone make you think at all about like making this stuff? Like it, it only really sort of occurred to me this week that it's the three hundredth issue, and I've been the one who edited it. And then the slight fear of I hope people don't think this is shit because <laughs> <laughs> it's got my name on it. But yeah. Uh... I, I had them side by side today on my desk, issue one and issue three hundred, and I was just. So comparing them mentally, and it's, it's yeah, it's, it's it's like a foreign country. The first issue, it's like yeah, yeah just totally. the, the games. There's like a excitable cover line about Graham Gooch <laughs> cricket. Your Graham says Gooch. you are Graham Gooch. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That was amazing. <laughs> Finally, you are Graham Gooch. Like you just couldn't, you know, everything. Remember so, when you weren't Graham Gooch? Well, good news. <laughs> everything's really just quaint and like you know, it just looks. The past makes fools of us all. People, we, you know, I look at the. PC specs in issue one, and I'm going, <laughs> it's too grand for a computer with two meg of RAM, and then people are going to look at our issue 300 and go, <laughs> they got excited about a eight gigabyte, you know, graphics card. Yeah, it's true. Like, um, how, yeah, how backwards. <laughs> I think one of the demos said that you needed a VGA compatible monitor in, like, in, <laughs> yeah. in order to play, which was just like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's like an advert for PCs of the era, and one's like two grand, and they're all just like big beige boxes, like with <laughs> with like 200 megabyte hard drives in them. And in yeah. retrospect. I felt really sorry for anyone who might have paid for that because I just thought, <laughs> yeah. but then obviously at the time it would have been fine. But yeah, it's yeah. Just, yeah, it's just weird. Um, I sort of like uh, there was another thing that we thought about doing for issue three hundred. That was the idea, Phil, where we said sometimes we have bad ideas in the office and we say, what if we wait today and see if that's definitely a good idea before we do it? And one of them was going to be on the issue one cover. Um, the editor uh, Matt Bealby says, oh, "If you don't like this magazine, I'll give you your money back." <laughs> and I was thinking of doing one on the uh, 300 subscriber coverage. If you don't like this magazine, yeah. I will not give you your money back under any circumstances. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I thought it might just seem really kind of yeah. like <laughs> that's that's another thing that seems so quaint. Like you just people would abuse that now, but maybe back yeah. then, like yeah, it'd get on Reddit and it'd be like Samuel Roberts has yeah. done sixty thousand. <laughs> yeah, how here's how you get a free issue of PC game. Just buy it and then say you don't like it, and this guy. <laughs> Why are you fighting? Personally, send you some money. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said in the um, in in the kind of bit I wrote about issue one. Is like uh, I'm sure Matt Bealby will still fulfil that. Track him down. Like, <laughs> by the way, 23 years ago, I was aggrieved by this magazine. Um, it was good though. Like uh, yeah, and we also I, we also went through like all of the um, we went through the back page jokes to try and track the history of that. Um, we picked out six kind of like pretty good ones for across time. They were, I tell you what though, they were not good for about a hundred issues. It, <laughs> yeah. it took them that long to work out what a joke was. Some might say they were never good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do wonder. It's funny because like you can see that different teams across the years had like their own contained senses of humor, yeah. and like they would have these very weird. I think one of the running jokes was about Farnborough. 
I think I think so. And um, it was just really kind of like stuff you just don't get. And then, yeah, you realise you reach our era and it's like, yeah, but will anyone make any sense yeah. of, uh, you know, the time that I put on an eye patch and strangle mm-hmm. Chris? Or yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. If you uh, want to see uh, Kieran Gillen dressed like a mime, doing various mime poses, then enjoy issue 300 yeah, because you be can see that see that again <laughs> um, that that page had um that all over specifically had purposefully in design notes on it how much fear did it give you to have that that sort of in design <laughs> template on a mag on a page yeah. that you're sending to press yeah because it was like it was designed like an old preview but it was all x'd out and so uh, yeah if i i actually did see that and think shit they made a terrible mistake <laughs> for anyone yeah. who doesn't know the intricacies of magcraft <laughs> What you do, and we use a program called InDesign by Adobe to design the mag. And like, if you want to something changed, like a screenshot, you leave a big pink box on it saying, "John, please put that screenshot on here. Yeah. Do a thing." So, but on this fake Oliver page, there was they were on there, but it was part of the joke. And so, when you but see one of them, the you, other thing yeah. that you need to make to explain this comment is Sam has a running <laughs> existential fear about leaving a design note in I the am, magazine. I am definitely the most fearful editor a PC gamer has ever had. I'm yeah. so scared of there being like a gigantic error in it, and there is an error in this issue we spotted it after it came in there is it's, but it's um, not it's, a joe dangantic one <laughs> no it's not it's just the years wrong on the intro editor's intro page which is like for fuck's sake um so yeah it says 2016 yeah. instead of 2017 because we're not there yet uh at all so um yeah but like uh yeah i, I have fears about that all the time but it was a really uh it was really good it, it, it used to just be like the back page used to be uh, they'd write about 500 words and like yeah. very few of them would be funny and then like um, i wonder if they did the mid-issue whereas we tend to leave them to the last that's true. Minute. I asked Tony when we were making this because we do every single back page has been done in my era almost without question on like without exception sorry on the last day of the issue or even the day after we were meant to go to press <laughs> it's so fraught and terrifying that it just makes everyone around me stressed out but I don't know how to solve it so it just carries on and we are somehow funnier when under pressure necessity or, is the mother yeah. of invention and yeah so like um, this back page joke I won't reveal what it is because I want people who are buying the issue to just see it but like um, we, we had a uh, another version of it that was nowhere near as good and we all hated it until we had like one stupid Tony coming in with the, uh, like 11th hour one yeah, for... one funny twist that just made it work and then um, yes yes uh, for those that read the magazine I'm sure they'll enjoy that but um, yeah it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very good issue I'm proud should of that we, should we say what we've got in the issue yeah we should do that shouldn't we <laughs> uh, previews we've got uh, Resident Evil 7 mm-hmm. and uh, more things Phil what have I forgotten there? Uh, a bunch of indie games like yes. Tooth and Tail and Others, others, yes. And if it is, we really should, we should have bought the magazine. Oh yeah, I done a lot of weird. <laughs> I did preview a lot of weird. Strafe, stuff, you preview Strafe, didn't you? Yeah, yeah yes. Strafe, the sort of uh, retro shootery thing, which is quite interesting. Hmm. Uh, Beat Cop, which is like a weird Papers oh, yeah. Please meets nineteen uh, seventies crime film. I really like the uh, the look of that. It's yeah, it's like one city block that you police in New York yeah. City, and you you got, you do the sort of bureaucracy of writing tickets for bad uh, erroneously parked cars and stuff like that, and then. Um, this sort of uh, overarching story about you trying to unframe yourself for for a murder. Is that even a word? I'm, I want to unframe myself for this one. <laughs> <idea. laughs> yeah. But yes, you see that. I played that and at the, um, you know, 11 bit studios who make. What did they this make? This War of Mine. This War of Mine. I mm, went to totally. visit them in Poland and they're publishing now. Oh, good. And that was one of the, the first games they were publishing. So. They were flush with cash after that. That game was like, I mean, I think inexplicably a massive success. Yeah. Like, um, it just really, I suppose then Papers, Please was similar. Like, yeah, in, I played Beat Cop in the new office, which was in the, in the process of being drilled by a surly looking Polish man. <laughs> 
and it was very nice. So they've obviously done well for themselves. Very nice Chaz. Yeah, good for <laughs> good for them. Yeah, uh, they can now buy a large part of Poland. Very good, very yeah. good. Um, that's cool. And then there's uh, I, I don't remember the rest of the previews in there. Basically, I'm sure you an IGF happens. So we've, if you if you want to scan a sombra and some versions yeah, of weird new very, game, very oh, yeah, cool yeah, yeah, looking yeah. upcoming indie games. Yeah, we'll have them. That was cool. And then um, yeah, the Resident Evil Seven preview goes into quite a lot of depth. There's four pages on that one, and I think the uh, we were like one of the very few outlets who got to go to Japan and see that. So uh, hmm. that is a thing you can read about. It's very interesting. Although Capcom screenshots for it are all terrible. It's a like, hard game to screenshot. Yeah, I, think, isn't it? I don't know, but they still don't. They, you can still show uh, like someone charging at you in first person. It'd be good, but it's like the side of a woman's mouth, like uh, just like a, a bit of a piano. Like it's uh, yeah, they could do some work on that. But um, the game looks sounds really really good. Uh, and then in our feature section, we have Dawn of War three, an exclusive on the Eldar. We were the, f- I think, like the first uh, to go play it in uh, Relic in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. We sent Fraser Brown there, and uh, there's lots of lovely uh, shots of uh, Eldar units, which who are, who are definitely the most interesting looking of the Warhammer forty thousand uh, species in my regard, in my in my opinion anyway. Uh, is it species or races? I don't know. Um, but it's space you know, factions. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a really nice looking feature though, and there's a lot of great new details in there about about the game. And there's also our game of the year picks. Mm. I think there's twelve in there. And we, uh, yeah, basically, um, as ever, we picked the 12 best games of the year that we all voted for on team, and then we assigned them uh, category names afterwards. We spent ages trying to figure out what the hell Dark Souls was going to (laughs) get. Jesus Christ, yeah. And then eventually picked one, not to give away what the games are, but that was, uh, yeah, that was a real headache, wasn't it? Dark Souls is weird, because it's the first Dark Souls I finished, and it's one of the best RPGs I've played on PC in ages. But I still don't feel passionate about it. Do you know what I mean? Like you ever get that? You you love the game and you finished it and you, you think that's an amazing game. But I don't, I didn't feel like really like psyched up to like, you know, pontificate about it. That's Maybe because I find Dark Souls people quite tedious sometimes. <laughs> I didn't want to become one myself. I I, I felt that way about uh, yeah. I felt that way about um, Firewatch actually. Like I know mm. it was good and I I know I I'm 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 pleased I played it, yeah. but. And I wrote some words about what what I appreciated about it, but I didn't like. I wasn't in love with it, and I, yeah. didn't, I didn't really take loads away from it. And I don't even know if I'd really recommend it to someone, you know, unquestionably. Like it's, uh, Sorry, I don't yeah. know. Some games just don't move you in that way. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when I, when I was actually playing Dark Souls, so you know, beating bosses and making progress is some of the highest highs I've had this year in terms of adrenaline and heart literally thudding. Yeah, yeah. You know, but then looking back, maybe I was just like, maybe I've blocked it out like a. Like it was such a traumatic experience, I blocked <laughs> out or something. But yeah, it's, it's, it, it won an award. But you have to see which one. <laughs> but which one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah, I think uh, we. I think it's a really good selection this year, actually. Yeah. And we've um, we've cleared up some of the award categories, so it's less confusing. Are like, people going to be as angry by a game of the year pick? Do you reckon? Nah, nah. I don't think so. I think it was. Okay. A, I think it was a, a good choice. Uh, um, some I people s- might be. Some people will. I can see. I can see one reasons. portion of another game that won an award. Maybe thinking, why the hell didn't you give it this? Mm. Um, but then uh, I don't know. I, I don't mind annoying those people, so it's fine. <laughs> cool. I'm sure once you see the awards, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, there's a good range of stuff in there. There's like a bunch of indies alongside the um, the bigger games, and so. there's all our personal picks as well. Yes, exactly, and that's yep. uh, that was actually surprisingly tricky to figure out mm. um, and uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone but Phil doesn't write about Hitman again uh, in that almost uh, deliberately I decided not to write about Hitman that's true anymore. Um, so yeah it was a good year and it's, it's weird like the games we left out actually I'm gonna, I'll reveal one game that we did leave out um, because this shows what a good year it's been but Deus Ex didn't win any awards mm. this year yeah. and like you would think on most years a day a, a, like a, a pretty good Deus Ex game would get an award but like um, I mean we gave it 88% it's a yeah, yeah. damn good game just not as good as 
must yeah, another one yeah. as well. Like yeah. Battlefield One didn't win anything. Yeah, and that's yeah another high-scoring yeah, game that is just so much comp- competition within that kind of category. That. And uh, the division didn't get a nod, um, which is a game I've uh, returned to after a long gap and found to be quite a lot better a lot of people are saying that they've really smoothed out like the, the loot's a lot of systems a lot better and yeah they've done a Diablo on it they've yeah. sort of uh, made it a bit more uh, the loot a bit more frequent and better and the new survival mode's really interesting and yeah it's, but, uh, it, it's, it's kind just, of interesting how every one of these games has to have a patch where they rebalance the loot and basically do a Diablo on it yeah. and none of them <laughs> think to do it straight off even yeah. Diablo didn't think to do it straight off I mean, I mean in Destiny's case I think they sold that for £40 didn't they yes <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, it's, uh, it's that, that is interesting. I, I've, I've thought. Did they tweet anything else about it? Like, is the combat different, or like, is it, is it the same game with different? Yeah, there's lots of um, like uh, quality of life things with um, interface tweaks and stuff. It's not like a massive overhaul. It just feels nicer, and uh, technically, it's been uh, tweaked as well. It has DirectX 12 support now, mm. which makes the frame rate a bit better on certain machines and stuff. But I think the survival DLC is. Um, pretty good if you if you go on our website and search for division survival i wrote a little thing about it it's a pretty interesting mode that makes use of the city in a way that the main game doesn't at all and the main game the city is just a, a big series of t- corridors mm. to have firefights in yeah. whereas the survival mode like makes use of the winter thing the fact that it's a, a terrible apocalyptic winter that actually affects your temperature and so the clothes you find aren't just you don't find a beanie hat and go oh it's just a green beanie hat I don't care you know you find a beanie hat and you go oh, that's plus one to my core temperature you know you get excited about finding clothes <laughs> oh, is it finally yeah does it, it finally turns justify in... that moment where you had to wear lift out a beanie hat from yeah. the, <laughs> an irradiated beanie hat yeah so. <laughs> It's 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 really it's cleaned up for you. They charge it's a paid for DLC though, which is after they included it as a as a free mode, but it is pretty substantial and it does change the game fundamentally and, and just makes more use of that setting than the actual game does. It's mm. quite interesting. But I don't know whether you'll want to spend money on that, but it's pretty damn good. Is your copy got the um, DLC included, Andy? Yeah. Yeah, I think mine has I too. Think mine um, yeah, so I, I might I might give that a try. Yeah, um, it's worth just in a few runs. It's designed to be played over and over again, so you'll go in and you'll last however long, and then you'll just get kicked back to the start. And, you, yeah, and it, it levels the playing field. Every player, and it puts 24 people in the city, and everyone's got the same gear. They start with nothing. So right. it doesn't matter about levels or anything like that. Everyone is just cool. as as basic, and you've got to scavenge stuff. Is it basically. all PvP then? Within well, you can you can choose. You can either do PvP where other players can kill you, or you can just do a PvE one where they, well, they can't. Just about. You, just, you just work together yeah. to, to fight NPCs. Okay. But yes. Oh, cool. Sounds interesting. That's, that sounds fairly substantial. Have they added yeah. any new bits to New York yet? Because that was one of the nah, rumors. They added some tunnels. Yeah, um, oh, procedurally yeah. generated tunnel roads. system. New York's deep roads. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, like a new bit in your base and stuff called the. The, I can't remember. It's like a social space where all players meet up and all stuff. Right. But yeah, there's there's no new city yet apart from some procedural tunnels. I think we should be able to ban um, underground based DLC. Yeah. Um, just in case like that becomes like a uh, a thing that people always do. It has come up like at it's least come a few up times. A few times, yeah. yeah. It's, um, I, I don't know what it is. It's just I guess it's just uh, easier it to must, do. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, I mean you can't procedurally generate anywhere else in New York. So if you want a, an endless, that's true. There's yeah. bits out there like people have broke out of the map and found like half built buildings mm. outside of the main play space. So they've obviously got the bad bones there. Mm. Do some textures and. Stick them on. That's how game dev works. Isn't it? <laughs> I stick so. on the textures, guys. <laughs> they must have more DLC to go as well. Like it's, probably, uh, yeah, this, there I is think one it, more. I think it must have got delayed while they sort of tweaked up and Fixed tried it. to. Yeah. yeah, survival mode is the same city, but it, 
the blizzards, the snow and stuff's like ten times worse, so like it feels different. It's oh, like cool. there's no visibility, and you've got to find heat sources to stay warm. Even like finding a, an apartment block in the main game, you go, there's nothing in there, but a green beanie hat. Now it's like there's warmth in there, and possibly and some possibly new trousers. A beanie hat. <laughs> yeah. Have um, have they fixed the UI, Andy? Some of you absolutely hated that. It's I, um... it's. I think there's some tweaks to it, but it's basically the same. Ah, okay. Yeah. Big, right. Lots of holograms that's, flying around your head. That's cool. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, I may I may re-download that then. Hmm. Um, there's a few games I started this year I haven't gone back to, like Far Cry Primal, and uh, yeah, that's another one of them. And uh, yeah, I uh, I look forward to it. Okay, cool. So I guess we were talking about the issue, weren't we? We is were. We doing? Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, Game of the Year, there's like 12 pages of that, which is great. And then there's also, yeah, like I've been discussing, a feature on the 20 issues at Define PC Gamer with observations from myself and Chris Thurston, mm-hmm. former deputy editor. Um, so that's uh, that's a cool, that's a I was really happy with how that turned out actually that's a really good history of the mag like if you've been reading that long and even if you haven't you might learn a bit about where we came from and we talk about what how it was happening and kind of like PC gaming at the time per issue and uh, generally tells a very good story of PC gaming over the last twenty three years which is cool uh, reviews we've got Dishonored two we've got Phil reviewing Hitman for the last time across four pages doing every episode in one big review until season two until season, <laughs> until season two. two tyranny is in there. Uh-huh. And uh, there's probably a few more that I have forgotten. Probably. Yep, I'm sure. Um, it's got my favourite extra life section of the probably my time doing it, I think. Uh, it's got really good now playing. Andy did a really good one on um, what were you just, who's the game you were just talking about? Def- we- oh, no, DEF CON. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah. Something inspired Andy me to play that. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a mystery, really. Um, <laughs> and we've also got John Strike, uh, our Battlefield expert, talking about Battlefield 1 and playing it with his mates. Mm. And uh, there's another one from us on team that I've completely forgotten about. Which one was it? I wrote about my sport manager. It was, yeah. It was only for a small slot, Sam. So that's it was why just, I forgot. Yeah. That. Yeah, Phil talked about being a bad car manager. That was good. And then there are three uh, guest writers that I got in for the issue as well that older readers may recognize, which um, I think is pretty cool and people will hopefully like. Uh, there's also a really good feature on Life is Strange, uh, Why I Love, by uh, Why I Love Regret in Life is Strange by uh, Tony Ellis, our. Uh, I guess like what is he like our, our brand guardian like our, yeah, like I guess our so. word champion <laughs> um, yes yeah, so, which uh, is one of my favourite pieces of writing we've published this year and Andy revisited Deus Ex as well the original yeah, I felt like we had to do a reinstall on a, on a, on a, a game that sort of defines us and the medium yes for sure yes. we yeah. tried we tried to get tom senior to do alpha centauri but he didn't uh, have time unfortunately but like um deus ex is obviously uh way more uh, significant in the canon of pc gaming so read andy's words on that it'd be good and that was the, that was the issue basically and then yes. it comes with a uh, we also so- had perhaps a particularly self-indulgent spy this month but yes that people hey. will enjoy um hopefully <laughs> apart from all the people who don't <laughs> And then there's specifically uh, fed back to say no, stop that. (laughs) (laughs) Then we've got our 50 most important PC games in like a book, which is Mm. cool. That comes with the print and the digi editions, which is really nice. Um, This sounds like a long advert, but I kind of just wanted to talk about the magazine because it is the thing we spend our most time on, and I don't think we ever talk about it. I've been, as of yesterday, been doing this for three years, and like, um, so I've done about, I know, I've done almost a sixth of PC gamers' lifespan, I think. Yeah, I counted. I've done 42 issues. Yeah, okay, I must have done a bit less then. So, yeah, yeah I guess I've done 40. Yeah, 262 is my first year. Yeah, 232 for me, I think, including freelance. Wow, yeah. Which. That's now like, that's a big chunk of the mag's lifespan. Yeah. I feel horrendously old. It's mm, um, weird. Like, it, uh, 300 still doesn't, it just, it hasn't really registered with me because we're already on 301 and I'm quite tired. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that, like, it never stops. We're making this one in like two and a half weeks. It's yeah, nuts, you just but, don't um, get a chance to to sort of stop and think about no, milestones. It's very true. But but um, 
Hopefully uh, people will enjoy it. Yeah, um, I think so. I think it's probably one of the best issues we've made in my time here. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. I've actually got a few uh, reader questions as well um, along those lines. Um, uh, f- let's start with um, how many Duke Nukem Forever covers did you guys end up running in the end? And I went through this. And zero, we did, isn't it? We did zero. Um, yeah. yeah. The Americans did one. Okay. But like um, in like the late 90s, I think. We but weren't like, the same magazine back then, so no. we can't be held responsible for that. <laughs> Uh, no, no, we we, ne- we never did it, but the mag mm-hmm. did frequently joke about it throughout. Obviously, <laughs> I worked on another magazine that did a cover on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, someone had to. I, I went to the reveal of it with um, in a strip club, which was a great bit of um, careful marketing by <laughs> Gearbox. Subtle. Let's invite a lot of journalists to strip club. But yeah, that was. Um, I always knew that game was going to be a stinker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sort of uh, thought for a moment that maybe if Gearbox... This was before Gearbox had made like Colonial Marines as well. And I thought maybe there's a chance that this might be good. I Once mean, they, they were riding high on Borderlands before it all, it all before, went wrong. Mm, you realised yeah. where their priorities lay. Uh, yeah. How do we feel about the fact that they're adding Duke Nukem into Bulletstorm? Oh, it's uh, just like a bad 90s hangover, isn't it? How, how, what, what kind of confused me is how did... How did Gearbox end up with the rights to Bulletstorm? I don't actually know. No, they quite... set up a new publishing sort of oh, okay. arm of the company. And oh, they right. they did they done a deal with People Can Fly basically to to make it to publish an enhanced. That's interesting. Bulletstorm. Because I yeah. thought that I thought that enhanced slash ruined with yeah. a fucking aging <laughs> yeah. legacy from He's, the nineties. Uh, yeah. He needs to die. Rand, Randy turned up at the the Game Awards and he, he announced that he said, "I'm here to announce Gearbox Publishing." So that presumably they're going to be doing more of that sort of thing. Okay, so Junior yeah. could be in a, in a variety of games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great to see Bulletstorm make a comeback because it was amazing and it's still slightly fucked from the fact that nobody fixed up and removed games from Windows it, and stuff. What annoys yeah. me though is that they could someone could literally patch that and I would not need this remaster. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, yeah, like, is. this is the scenario. Yeah, they're going to do like, pub, they're going to be publishing Dear Esther Reloaded with uh, <laughs> J- Nukem and the, the narration. Okay, well, that, <laughs> might, that might actually improve it. But. <laughs> Gone home as well. Like uh, he turns yeah. out, the Duke's in the in the attic. <laughs> it's, it's actually, yeah, you go up to the attic and it's all really slow and the music swells and there's shaking baby. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't some. mind it because they're not just adding him to the game; they're adding him to the game as a pre-order DLC bonus. And as we all know, pre-ordering things is bad and you shouldn't do it. So why not have shit pre-order bonuses? Like I would, <laughs> I, I would definitely never, even if I was really excited for a new bullet or the, the same bullet storm to be sold to me again, I would definitely not pre-order it just so I could make sure that was never on my hard drive. Yeah. Well, I sort of like, I don't, I don't think, I don't really mind Duke Nukem. I think they could bring him back in a, I don't really care about the character or anything like that. I just mean that like, the kind of foundation. He might still have of, a place somewhere in this industry. Well, like you know, in the same way that Wolfenstein and Doom came back. Well, you like, know, we could know. save Duke Nukem if you got Machine Games to do it, and Duke came back like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. Yeah, you yeah. know, like an, a, a sort of faded like memory of what he once was. And I like the idea like, that he might be he might be chided for his sexism and uh, r- ridiculous attitude. As yeah, well. like he feels like a There's dinosaur. No place for that and... in 2016, Duke. <laughs> what are you playing at? Mate? Yeah, that that could be brilliant. Like the idea of him still all these years later just. Doing lines from aliens and cracking wise and shoving dollar bills down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bras. It's like, come on, like it needs to become. It needs to become post-ironic. Yes, I agree. Duke, That's the way to like, do it. I yeah, think, yeah, Duke, but is Shadow Warrior. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that is the that is the spot on take, I think. But um, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I, it sounds like it's just going to crop up in a bunch of other games. Oh, so I, the tone of like Duke has nothing. It's nothing like the tone of Bulletstorm. Bulletstorm was actually quite self-aware. In yeah, it's like, it's <laughs> like uh, putting Duke Nukem into the thick of it because Malcolm Tucker also <laughs> swears. So it's like no, it's not the same thing. It's like I haven't been able to watch the thick of it this year. It just can't, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. It just it's from a it's from a more quaint world. We're getting dangerously off topic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll ask another question then. Um, favorite moments from going back through all the old issues and keep up the good work. That's from Beggy B. Thank you very much. Um, so, um, do you guys have any favorite moments from? I mean, we, we've got like a massive library in our office of all the issues. What? Yeah, I kind of I kind of mentioned mine earlier, which was going through issue one and looking at the um, top of the line PCs of the era and just mm. laughing at how astonishingly <laughs> well, shit they the were. Past. <laughs> yeah, just laughing at the past and yeah. like, yeah, like there's a lot of. All the adverts from the era as well, like, are so naff. Like, there's one for a sound card, and it's like a sort of hip young dude on a skateboard or, or something like that, and he's sort of like, feel the rush of this of 16-bit sound, you know? And it's all just like the things that were once... Yeah, basically, <laughs> Time is just going to make an absolute mockery of, of, our, of our magazine in Time. Yeah. I just oh, couldn't yeah. help but think that what we now think is the cutting edge and the height of, of, of cool is going to be laughed at. By future generations. Oh, I'm okay with that though. Like, um, and, and to be honest, I didn't have loads of that going through it. Like, um, a I started reading the mag in 1998, and by that point, the um, the it was very comfortable in its tone. And like by the following year, it was really, really good. Um, so I don't think there's actually loads to look back and laugh at. They were always quite aware of what was stupid. <clears throat> they always made fun of De Katana before it came before it came out. <laughs> Um, they were yeah they were always made fun of the fact that prey had been delayed for about 10 years mm. um so yeah they were they were, i don't know i think i don't think i've delivered any opinions that i think i'll be embarrassed about in years to come but there's um it's loads of uh, there's uh, loads of great issues looking back i found the um the particular cut particular covers i had an affinity for i remember there being a really good tiberian sun cover where it had the box art on the on the front of the mag did you oh, yeah. remember that one phil I just saw that and I was like, I think that came with a demo of it as well. And I just remember that being like uh, the moment of the summer for me. I was in holiday in Butlins with my parents. And for the least you could reel about some Commander Conquer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Personal highlights of being on the uh, being on the Mag. Like, um, I really did enjoy that Daisy feature because that was like my first yeah, I, issue. The thing I remember it tends to be the team features, um, which, which we're going to bring especially back having been year. in them. Yeah, I've got a, quite a, a tasty team feature planned for the new year. Yeah, Actually, we're going to have a lot of. I'm, well, I'm going to have a lot of fun subjecting them to it. And I've mentioned in the uh, Ed's intro as well because um, we used to do those Darth Vader features more. Yeah, and we back to the photo studio for us. So um, yeah, after our traumatic Dota two experience in like 2015, <laughs> yeah. we're willing to to go back. Yeah. So it should be. Uh, that's an exciting yeah. thing. Um, yeah, I've always enjoyed those. I thought the armor one we did was really good too. Yeah. I think um, where Andy was uh, was use, and then in the magazine we got him to dress up as use, <laughs> yeah. which uh, he a was totally of, fine with. Sort of a man in a sheet with a uh, <laughs> with a bad fake beard on. But yeah, the, we're gonna this one we're gonna do now. I won't say what it is, but we're gonna previously we streamed we streamed them, and it's a bit clumsy. Yeah, to stream it, so I'm, we're gonna all record. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna record this one on our ends, and I'm gonna do an edit of it so you can. We'll put a link to it in the feature so you can watch it, mm. and so even if you don't read the feature, you can still watch a bit of ridiculous fun. Uh, yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna be, it's gonna be good. And there's a few others well I've kind of thought about as well, but I'm definitely gonna try and do them kind of semi regularly. It'll uh, that'll be a cool thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Apart from that, like um, I, I'd like to, uh, when we revealed Dawn of War three exclusively, that was cool. I was we were the first in the world to have that, and that was like earlier this year. I was pretty proud of that issue. That turned out well. Uh, I don't know, like. Um, 
for features that we've ran, I'm really proud of. Like, I really like all of our making of features, mm. you know. And you're like, you're making of Alien Isolation one that you did after yeah. that game came out. And then um, Phil, your Gwent one was really good. Mm. And Andy, your, uh, the, what was it, the Family, yeah, family uh, Matters, family yeah. matters yeah. side quest. And which, uh, like, doing that sort of granular game design stuff we like doing. Uh, yeah. 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 I enjoyed my first Eve Fan Fest and basically interviewing everyone at CCP and writing a massive cover feature for us on it. That was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. We <coughs> did, like had every every Eve thing going in yeah. about 12 pages. That was, was a, big, a big year for them. This, the following ones haven't been quite as big, but that was a massive, like, yeah, we're announcing new games. Although the game they announced still hasn't come out. I don't yeah, I was going to say, it was a massive year for them because they announced a bunch of stuff that didn't actually yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. I mean, I, I haven't done an audit of this, but maybe we should go through and see which games we put on the cover didn't come out. I can think of one that comes to mind, but I can't. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't think of uh, many more. Yeah. I remember when I was at um, Imagine, there was like uh, there was a cover of games TM had of Tiberium. You know that, um, yes. that first person shooter for Command and Conquer that never came out. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't we've done too many Starcraft Ghost cover? Did that ever happen? That was on no. console, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're certainly not Edge when it comes to that. Yeah. <laughs> wow, the salt. It's, not, it, it, it's happened enough times on Edge that, that it's literally referred to as the Edge Curse. So. Yeah, I think they mentioned it in their uh, in their three hundredth issue. Actually. Yeah, it does. It just sometimes happens because you have no idea that a game's just going to go, you know, vanish and never be made. Mm. Uh, or uh, yeah, um, but no, I don't know. How about you, Phil? Any any personal favorite moments? Um, like I say, uh, it's mostly sort of team features. Also, you know, there are there are reviews that I remember from the past. It's stuff like. Kieran Gillen reviewing Deus Ex or Tom Francis reviewing Oblivion that you think that was like just a really well considered take on yeah. that you know it was summed up that game in such a great way that kind of like there, there are a series of uh, history of long standing reviews on PC Gamer where you think yeah that's kind of the standard that you always need to push yourself towards mm. uh yeah, mm. say Tom Francis' Deus Ex Human Revolution review, uh, where mm. I think he starts it by talking about dropping a vending machine off of a roof. That was really good. Or like his Bioshock Infinite review was great too. Yes. Yeah, from the from the recent past. Um, but no, I'd, I'd, so I'd definitely count some of our recent reviews in the midst of that as well. Like our you know, Dishonored 2 review, Overwatch review, and our Deus Ex Mankind Divided review. We've done some uh, very... Yeah, I think we've... I, I like to think we've hit those standards. The readers will decide, obviously. Yeah. But um, no, I think we all, we're all very aware of like... PC gamers' legacy and history, and uh, not seeming like goofs in, comp- in comparison to our predecessors. If Certainly, I've spent a lot yeah. of time worrying about that. Um, so yeah, uh, no, it's cool. Um, I'll uh, move on to another question then. Let's see. Um, what's the most uh, surprising trend you've seen develop in the industry uh, over the course of being published? I um I uh, I I say one one issue I picked out which was really random is a story about um, how demo discs were supposedly killing the industry as of the 90s. Oh, there's amazing. A, there's a whole feature on it in PC Gamer where it talked about how two publishers were refusing to do demos. One of them was Infograms after Descent came out and it didn't do as well. And they were saying they were claiming that PC Gamer was uh, basically just a demo disc with a ma- piece of magazine attached to it or something like that. And I, nice. that was a weird thing to read because the concept of demo disc yeah. just no longer exists. And well, so they were saying that oh, we should infograms were like we don't want to show a game at demo stage because people will realize it's not good well, that, whereas if we don't have a demo they'll just come by <laughs> blindly buy it it was i think it's because they <clears> thought that like you can get so you could get so much out of the demo disc playing it that you mm. don't have the hunger to go and buy a full game which um that's the for my experience of demos i grew up playing playstation demos it was the opposite yeah you play a metal gear solid demo 500 times 
eagerly awaiting the full game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, it's true. Yeah. It's the only yeah. reason anyone bought Zone of the Enders was to get that NGS2 <laughs> yeah. demo and play it 500 times before yeah. Yeah. the game came out. There was then no question you were going to buy Metal Gear 2. And no yeah. one bought Zone of the Enders 2, which you know, tells, tells the whole story. Because <laughs> it didn't come with a good demo. <laughs> but no, I've, um, I, I, think, I think you're right. I remember the... Um, the demo that I played more than any other was the original Age of Empires PC game because it came mm. with four missions and you can make those stretch those out for hours and then I ended up buying the full game when it was my birthday and I don't know it was it was just interesting to see because all of the things that were like pressing then are no longer the landscape's so different infograms mm. no longer exist <laughs> oh yeah like the uh, yeah demo disc we haven't done for a long time because obviously it's a just, online enabled age just demos don't usually happen now no, because there's no true. expectation of it like it's it's almost a surprise when a big game releases a demo on steam and you're like oh, yeah well that's the thing that used to happen yeah i don't, I'd say probably like um i think early access is probably the most significant recent thing that's happened in games like uh just that uh, the sort of like profile of game that uh, is released on there has gotten larger and larger it's also weird to see games change so i thought this with a no man's sky update actually like it's weird that the original release of that probably should have been an early access game and then they should have layered this in later on as this will be what the game is because obviously they're quite fundamentally changing the way that you know yeah like you can see you can see the alternate reality where that's what happened because like sony hadn't taken them under their wing and said yeah. look here's here's like a platform for you to you know, uh, advertise this thing and yeah, like, probably removed like some some options from the table. Yeah, I don't know though. Surprising trends in the last twenty three years. I mean, like you know, the movement from like you know uh, physical games to digital games. That's yeah, I mean, like the, the the whole landscape is completely different. Surely, it's so like different. it's it's quite hard to pick out a specific trends because yeah, everything's shifted and and yeah, like digital is a huge part of that. Like how PC gaming, especially like. Mid two thousand, mid to late two thousands, looked like it was in some trouble there because you know, the three sixty seemed so dominant and yeah. like PC space, you know, PC shelf space was falling away, and it was a case of, well, where do you even go to buy PC games? And then suddenly Steam happens, and yeah, yeah, uh, and then there was like yeah, shitty DRM on some games as well, and it just seemed like it was a bit more fraught. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Like PC gaming has changed more than any other type of gaming. Like if you think about where. PlayStation was at launch versus where it, uh, where PS4 is now. It's more or less the same, except you can buy games digitally. But mm. like the way you play on PC is like the amount of free games, like the amount of platforms. It's so it's it's completely uh, changed since we've we've been published. It's completely changed since I was a kid, and in the last ten years, yeah. it's always changing all the time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's all I can really think of there. Uh, did any of the games in issue one end up having a huge effect on the games we play now? That's from Khan UK. I actually, there, there are. I, I've actually noted them. Um, there was a preview in that issue of Sam and Max Hit the Road, which is really weird to think of that as just a thing that, like, I don't know, you got like a, a preview build in and you just played yeah. it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a, considered the masterpiece <laughs> of this uh, this entire yeah. genre. Um, there's also Theme Park and uh, yeah. SimCity Sim 2000. They were both previewed. Oh, Jesus. And uh, Frontier Elite 2 was uh, in the review section as well. Um, didn't get the highest score of that issue. I think it was IndyCar Racing that got that. I know nothing about because it's got cars in it. That did not leave a lasting <laughs> that, legacy on. What did that get? Because I know Beneath the Steel Sky got ninety one percent, which is very. I think. I think. I think. I mean, this uh, off memory. I think IndyCar got a ninety two or something. Yeah. But I, I think it was lead review. But um. What about Graham Gooch? Yeah, you are Graham cricket? Gooch. Remember, <laughs> you are Graham Gooch. There's like actually, a, when uh, all our readers were Graham Gooch. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, chess game as well. 
Kasparov's Gambit or something that's called it got yeah, like eight percent. Such an amazing name. Yeah. I tell you one thing that going through old issues made me wish we did, and we're gonna do more of is like just reviewing shit games because it's funny. Like um, <laughs> there was like there's so there was like I think it was a nine percent review for a game called Tesseray in the first issue. I think it was the first issue, and like it just it was a terrible like bubble bobble looking, but like super cheap made for dance yeah. game, and like uh, just made me uh, I don't know it's it, pine for the days when you could give a thing. Nine percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, there weren't, uh, there wasn't the internet. So you didn't have to think about the games you need to review. You yeah, could just be more selective. Um, but uh, yes, it's uh, it's certainly interesting. Um, uh, da, da, da. I think those are going to be all the ones I asked. <laughs> I think so. Uh, there's one. Uh, someone asked why does Andy Kelly delete so many tweets? <laughs> I'm always seeing ha- uh, half conversations people have with him. <laughs> that's, not really, that. that's not really. That's not really pertinent to the magazine is it <laughs> no it's not I just thought it was quite funny um, okay cool uh, we, well, I explained it actually but then I deleted it so he missed, <laughs> he missed it uh, a lot of people said um, keep up the good work which I appreciate um, I will uh, yeah and someone said how does it feel to finally have finally hit 300 but I guess we covered that didn't we we covered that uh, yeah confusing and tiring and, and, <laughs> yeah, and scary <laughs> and we hope you enjoy it um, but yes that's something you can pick up now and uh, yeah, um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, issue 300 is out on Thursday, the 15th of December. Uh, we've got other stuff going on. What are we doing? We're doing an event in London, PC Gamer Weekend Day on the yeah. February the 18th and 19th. Weekend.pcgamer.com. You can buy tickets. Uh, is there anything else that we do? Website, I guess, pcgamer.com. Do a website. Uh, we've still got an RPG special out called PC Gamer Presents the Ultimate RPG Handbook. Yes, it's very nice. That's There's a lot of called. original features in there that Phil has commissioned. Yeah, I should know what it's called because I edited it. But it's, it's, you'll see it. It's got a big picture of Geralt on the cover, and it's kind of like mocked up to look like a kind of like, like a an D&D old D and D handbook. Yes. Yeah. So uh, hopefully people nice. will appreciate that. Yeah, it's a huge feature about yeah the history of RPGs, some stuff about the future of RPGs, uh, a lot of lists about MMOs and immersive sims and ARPGs. It's really cool. That sort of thing. There's, um, there's about like about twenty pages on the history of RPGs, something like that, and like um, it's got like divided into Infinity Engineer, like you know, like up to Kotor and absolutely tons of stuff. Yeah. Also, uh, the US branch of PC Gamer set up a Discord server uh, for PC Gamer. Um, and I think we're going to hijack a room and call it UK Podcast so that podcast listeners and us have a place to hang out and chat and maybe get more pertinent questions from people who actually listen to the podcast <laughs> as opposed to people who just shitpost on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but you can find that by going to uh, discord.gg slash pcgamer. That's cool. And uh, uh, It's sure. an open invite. You can just pop on in and I'll have a room set up by the time this is published. That's cool. Phil can also put, I guess you can put a link to that in the episode description too. I can do that too, yeah. Yeah, that's good. So people can find that easily. And uh, we'll be back soonish. I think we'll try and do like a preview of 2017 before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll also have announced our game of the year next week. Oh yeah, we should talk about that, shouldn't we? Well, this week. We did the nominations process, so we should probably go through that. Mm. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, you'll be able to pick that up this Thursday and see what we gave game of the year. It's very exciting. Subscribers will already have that issue. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back soon.